Hello, and thank you for joining us to learn more about UDI and providers, what you need to do. Interviewing Mr. Bob Matthews, the Assistant Vice President of Supply Chain at Albany Medical Center, is Ms. Karen Conway, Executive Director of Industry Relations at Global Healthcare Exchange. Today, they will discuss what supply chain providers need to do to prepare for UDI and adverse event reporting. UDI is a well-known acronym in the manufacturing world. After all, medical device manufacturers have been the primary focus of the U.S. FDA's Unique Device Identification, or UDI, rule since it was published back in 2013. But providers are now subject to a growing list of requirements related to UDI. On this podcast, we're going to talk about existing and pending regulations for providers, and more importantly, what you can and should be doing to be prepared to not only be in compliance, but also to get the most value out of the regulations. But before we get started, let's do a quick update on what is UDI. The UDI rule requires manufacturers to assign a unique device identifier, or UDI, to all medical devices at each unit of packaging. That UDI is provided by one of three authorized issuing agencies, GS1, HIBIC, or ICC-BBA for products of human origin. The UDI then must be on the label of the product in human and machine-readable formats. The latter could be a linear barcode, 2D matrix barcode, RFID, etc. The key is that the auto ID and data capture carrier can be captured by providers. We'll have more on that in a minute because that's what's going to be the key to getting value out of UDI. Finally, manufacturers have to publish additional information on their products to the FDA's global UDI database, or what the FDA likes to call the good ID. Manufacturers have begun complying with the UDI rule, and by this time next year, more than 50% of medical devices should be bearing UDIs. But UDI is not just for manufacturers. There's one existing rule for providers, as well as some regulatory requirements associated with the most recent Meaningful Use Stage 3 rules that came out earlier this year from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, and the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, or the ONC. Bob, as the Assistant Vice President of Supply Chain at Albany Medical Center and also somebody who's been active in the ARM Issues and Legislative Committee, Can you tell me a little bit more about the existing adverse event reporting requirements and what providers should be doing to be in compliance? Absolutely, Karen. Um, We all know that in September 2014, the FDA implemented a change in the medical device reporting regulation, or the MDR, that requires the collection and use of UDI for adverse event reporting purposes. Now, per the MDR regulation, a device user facility is a hospital, an ambulatory surgical facility, nursing home, other treatment facility, not a physician's office. And if a user facility uh, suspects a medical device-related death uh, caused by a device, that there's an obligation to report that to the FDA and to the manufacturer. Uh, Also, at the same time, the user facility is obligated to report medical device-related serious injuries to the device manufacturer or to the FDA. And in this rule, which is the 803.32 rule, there is an obligation to include UDI in that reporting information. Um, It's important because, again, it aligns with the FDA's post-market surveillance strategy for having a unique device identifier that helps us to follow 
the device through all parts of its lifespan, including if it's involved in an adverse event. So, so this new rule is in effect already. Um, from your experience and from working, you know, with other colleagues uh, within ARM, do you think that provider or hospital risk management systems are ready to be able to collect, accept, and use the UDI for their internal adverse event reporting? Um, is this something that's hard to do? Well, you know, that's a great question, and here's here's my experience at my facility. Um, when this rule became known to us, we started a dialogue from the supply chain side with our risk management colleagues. And to be honest, they had heard a bit about this, but they were in a similar learning curve as, as we were, perhaps slightly uh, less aware. But it was a great opportunity for us to partner with them and to help to drive a mutual uh, advantage. And the advantage is, again, patient safety. We want to have a safe environment. So in our uh, institution, we partnered with our risk management staff. We on the supply chain side did a full review of the UDI rule with them, with all layers of their risk management staff, brought them up to speed on, on the rule and what the uh, implications were, provided some real common sense examples of what the labeling requirements were and how they could identify them on packaging. And as they work with their constituents, who the internal constituents who report events, help them understand what they needed to report and where they could find that information on packaging levels. We also had a discussion with our IT brethren to uh, look at our internal uh, system, which was provided by a group purchasing organization to, uh, that we use as our tool for uh, collecting information for internal events. And I won't name the product, but we were successful in working with that vendor to modify some fields which were user-specific that we now use to collect UDI information on internal uh, adverse events. So it's, in our experience, it's been a win-win. We're, we're all about maintaining a safe environment for our patients. We now have a tool where we can collect that information, and we can now use that to further that safety uh, rule. That really, you know, it really points to an important role that supply chain can play. And I do know that, you know, there's information in this podcast, um, several other podcasts that have been done and certainly on the ARM website that can perhaps help in some of those conversations. Um, so while we're still learning about some of these existing requirements, let's move now to some of the requirements that are coming down in the future. Um, they have been published in the Meaningful Use Stage 3 rules that came out um, in uh, late 2015 from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, and the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, ROMC. So these are a done deal, um, but they are things that uh, providers and um, sooner would be electronic health record vendors need to be able to, um, to meet some of these requirements. Um, I'll quickly go over them. One is an electronic health record needs to be able to hold a list of a patient's implantable devices. Um, that technology also needs to be able to break up and parse the UDI. So they'd be using the UDI to identify these implantables. And then the technology has to be able to break up or parse the UDI into its two parts. There's two parts. One is the uh, device identifier, which is the G10 or from GS1 or HIBIX. Uh, code or the ICC-BBA code, which is the ISBT-128, as I recall. 
Um, so they're able to parse that. That's static data. It always stays the same for the um, specific level of packaging. And then there's dynamic data, which is related to the production of that product, which is the um, lot or batch number, serial number, expiration date, or date of manufacture. The technology also needs to be able to pull core attributes out of the good ID, things like company name, brand name, version or model, um, whether the device is required to be labeled as containing natural rubber latex or dry natural rubber. Um, also a description using one of the following, either the global medical device nomenclature, GMDN term, or the SNOMED description, SNOMED standing for Systemized Nomenclature of Medicine Clinical Terms Description. Um, so with those requirements, oh, and then there's an additional requirement that providers be able to share the UDI as part, for implantable devices, as part of a common clinical data set with other providers that are treating the same patient. So given that big list of to-dos, um, the first of which being really something that your EHR vendor has to be able to have that capability. Talk to me a little bit about what kind of conversations you should be having with your EHR vendors and others within your, within your um, organization, Bob. I think it's important that supply chain have those discussions with whoever in your organization helps to coordinate electronic health systems. In my organization, it's a subset of our IT system. And we've already started those discussions face-to-face -face and other, with other tools to have that understanding between both sides in terms of what's coming and in terms of what can we provide. I think it also sets a great opportunity for supply chain to continue to be a source of truth for information that will flow into not only clinical systems but other ancillary systems since it's all about tracking an item from beginning to end and how that information then can flow into the medical record, especially for higher-risk items such as implants. So I think it's, it's about discussion. I think it's about dialogue. I think it's about advocacy, both at, at the internal level within organizations, but certainly as you reach out to the larger partners, uh, the value equation of incorporating this information into the electronic health record is immense. You know, great points in terms of, you know, we, we've got technology, we've got change management, we've got a lot of education, all of which I think, you know, at least particularly with, with education, um, an area that supply chain can really um, be a leader in. I'd like to ask one final question, and that's about value. I know that um, Mercy, based in St. Louis, did a UDI demonstration project in their cath lab as part of the FDA and the Medical Device Epidemiological Network. And they reported uh, things like uh, more accurate and automated charge capture, improved inventory management, improved supply chain efficiencies, um, visibility to product usage and automated replenishment. And those are all in a report that you can find on the FDA website. From, from your perspective, you know, when you're talking to others, um, whether you're talking to other members of ARM or talking to people within your organization, where do you see the real value, Bob? I think the real value is safety. I think the real value is how do we maintain a safe environment and prove to our customers that in this time of immense change that we have the, the leading edge ability to maintain an environment in which we will do no harm because that is first and foremost all of our charge. And it's, 
you know, I read recently an article online where uh, an individual was saying that when it comes to implantable devices, it's easier in certain industries now to track and trace, for example, dog food that's been tainted than it has been historically to track something like a pacemaker or something that's a life-saving implant. And that's just wrong. And we in healthcare really need to push that value equation of just what do we bring and how do we maintain the safety and the do-no-harm ethic that we need to bring forward every day in our work. I think that's so so very important. Um, I read in one of the um, one of the reports on the value of UDI. Um, there was a quote from a, a patient who said, "You know, I feel exposed and anxious that if there's a recall, I won't know if I have this device or that device. You know, is this something I need to be worrying about?" So we certainly in this you know very financially constrained healthcare environment, we do need to look at the dollars and cents. But the sense that you just talked about and the fact that, you know, if we can keep this patient from feeling anxious, um, you know, as the commercial says, some things you can quantify, but other things are just priceless. I'm Karen Conway. And I'm Bob Matthews. Thanks for listening. For expanded education, go to the full catalog section of this Learn Something website or go to www.com ahrmm.org.